Coming up on Podcast 1530, a new study shows that EVs produce less CO2 regardless of how they're powered. Stick around and I'll tell you what I know. Also on the podcast today, why BlackBerry will be in every future Volkswagen. New batteries coming from CATL will make some great new electric vehicles for the future. And why electric power is coming to the rescue for Meals on Wheels. A lovely story to uh, part of the podcast today. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you're listening in the world, it's EV News Daily for Wednesday, 13th of July. We've got loads to get through today, so stick around. My name is Martin Lee, and I've been through every EV story today, so you don't have to. We'll start with this news about the Audi Q6 e-tron Sportback being spied for the very first time. In addition to working on the Audi Q6 e-tron EV, we now see the Sportback version of the electric crossover. Now, we don't really see too much from the spy shots because they have got extreme concealment. This is like next-level camouflage. They've basically put a big box over the top of the car. Even the windscreen has a strip down the middle of it covered in fabric, so it's little goggles for the driver and passenger to look out of. They are really hiding everything. But what we do know... The big difference for this model, uh, like the other other sportback vehicles from Audi, is the roofline in compared to the standard boxy version. Uh, now, it sacrifices a little cargo space, but not too much. You do get a more coupe-like silhouette. The Q6 e-tron is going to be more of a premium one for Audi, so it'll be on the PPE platform. What does that mean if you're new to the podcast? Well, let me explain. Uh, there's new cars coming from the likes of Porsche called the Macan. It's an all-EV. Uh, and Audi's A6 e-tron. So these are 800-volt systems. They're very long-range, very high-power charging. And that's what this Q6 e-tron and Sportback version are going to be built on. No specifics we know about the powertrain, but, you know, it's an Audi. It'll have Quattro. It'll be four-wheel drive. It'll charge very quickly. There'll be an RS version. Like, we know we know the playbook by now, right? Next up on the podcast today, we'll talk about why BlackBerry is coming to every new Volkswagen. VWOS. OS is operating system. VWOS and VWAC. That stands for Automotive Cloud. They are the two new things coming from Volkswagen, which will propel them through the next decade. What they call in buzzword terms, digital connected cars of tomorrow. Now, what used to be a separate but equal system within your car now has to be fully integrated and it needs to be controlled centrally. And the software isn't just a thing that you bolt on afterwards to make the radio work, but it is everything in the vehicle. What's coming from the Volkswagen, the group, and all of their brands will be vehicles that you can download apps to that update themselves seamlessly overnight. And that hasn't always been easy yet with Volkswagen. So if you've got yourself the new, or if you've got a Volkswagen ID vehicle and you've got software version 2.4 or 2.3, but 2.4, as some people have already, that enables over the air updates, then, you know, then you're doing well. But that should be the basics covered off, and it will be the basics from the middle of the decade with VWOS and VWAC. A uniform, scalable platform, they say, for all vehicle brands from Volkswagen. Now, Motor Trend point out that right now, each brand does its own thing in terms of how a vehicle works and interacts with the user, whereas VW's new division called Carriad, which actually the boss, the CEO, Herbert Dies, is in charge of, um, is working in partnership with some real high-level companies, the likes of Bosch on software that works between the software and the, and the, the car and the, the people using it, and also 
BlackBerry. There's a name. There's a blast from the past. Look, BlackBerry is still going. They actually have software called QNX, and they will be integrating that into all future VWs by the middle of the decade. And Carryad is the bit of the of the company of Volkswagen that will work kind of kind of independently, but ensure that all of those group cars, whether you're buying a Skoda or a Seat or an, uh, an Audi or a Porsche, all work together uh, in EV world. There is a slight problem, though. It appears to be holding back some new cars coming. According to Automotive News Europe, they write, Audi, Porsche and Bentley could face delays to new EVs because of problems at Carriad, the subsidiary of VW. Audi's flagship, being developed under the Artemis name, could be put back to 2027. That's three years later than planned. Sources telling Automotive News and the publication Automobile Vok in Germany. Bentley's plan to go pure EV in 2030 could be in doubt, the sources saying. Porsche's new electric Macan and its sister, the Audi equivalent of the Macan, the Q6 e-tron that we've just been talking about, threatened with delays. Not because they can't make the cars, because... They, they can do the hardware because the software might not be ready, uh, due to be ready in 2021, but it's far behind schedule. According to these sources, it is a single source story. It is automotive news, which is the best of the best out there, so we trust them. But still, you know, caution, but we'll wait and see. Now, the Chevrolet Bolt EV, uh, according to this story from the Detroit Free Press, is going to disappear from the lineup as new technology arrives. Now, look, it, it looks like a, a headline that you want to pay attention to because, you go, oh, my goodness, they're getting rid of the bolts. Well, look, I guess you can say that about any vehicle unless it's, you know, a Golf because they've been around 40 years. But, you know, at some point, everything goes. And we know that at some point, the Bolt and the Bolt EUV will go because it's built on their old-gen technology. It's not the latest toys. So, yeah, I mean, when you think it through they will disappear one day. And that is actually what the story is, because the headline's a bit of a sensation. But the story is uh, that their most affordable electric car in the lineup, the Bolt, will disappear to make way for other cars based on the Ultium platform. The Equinox, uh, future EV, the Equinox, uh, revealed in September, will start around $30,000, which wonders, you know, where would the Bolt sit in that... And Steve Majoros from Ahoros, uh, Chevy's VP of Marketing, saying, will the Bolt be in our portfolio in X number of years from now? No, it won't. And that's, you know, makes a good headline, but it kind of makes sense because it won't be around forever. But it's a great product right now. And it will be here for some time, is the direct quote from GM. The Bolt will be here for some time, but as we scale and ramp volume, the portfolio will change. So I still rate the Bolt as... If you want to get into an EV at a decent price, get yourself a Bolt. I wish we could get them here. Now, let's talk about high-performance EVs. Automobili Pininfarina is starting production of their $2.5 million Batista. It's a pure electric hypercar. It's a GT car made in northern Italy. Uh, it done with a bunch of Rimat's technology under the skin. Uh, 150 people will get them. Uh, the first one will land in the US in August. It's got uh, 1,874 horsepowers, and it's got four motors from Rimat's, and it'll do not to 62 miles an hour quicker than a Formula One car. Under two seconds. 
120 kilowatt hour battery pack and WLTP range of 310 miles. Although with a car like this, do you, I mean, I know it's a GT car, but do you need mega mileage? No, I suppose you do, really. Now we'll talk about the battery maker CATL. Soon to be making a new type of battery. We haven't talked about much on the podcast. You know what about LFP batteries? Uh, so lithium iron phosphate. So remove the cobalt and... Uh, it's cheaper and it's making its way into more electric vehicles. But what about LMFP? The Chinese media reporting recently that CATL will mass produce lithium manganese iron phosphate, LMFP chemistry cells later this year. Adding manganese to the LFP formula increases the voltage, therefore, energy density of battery cells. No cost increase because manganese is cheap right now um and uh pedro at the pushy v blogs writes i'm curious to see the impact of the voltage increase on cycle life it seems that most viable improvements to the energy density of lfp will be made by adding silicon to the anode or manganese to the cathode some battery cell makers like byd goshian sanwoda and eve energy also going for lmfp batteries and giving those first early samples to car makers Now, Hyundai says they will build their first Korean EV factory in many, many years. Hyundai saying earlier today they're going to build a dedicated EV factory in South Korea that will be their first plant to open in the country in almost three decades. Production is due to begin in 2025, the company's union saying in a statement, relaying a pledge that they had made in wage negotiations. Hyundai Motor... South Korea's largest car maker last opened a factory on home soil in 1996. So this really is big news. And last story before we take a break. And that is how EVs can even feed people who can't leave their homes. Because meals on wheels are having problems with the cost of gas in the US. And it's not just a problem in the US. Petrol and diesel's high everywhere. The number of volunteers available to deliver meals on wheels has dropped. It's a problem because of the price of gas and volunteers can't afford to foot the bill. As a result, EV drivers coming to the rescue. This particular driver featured on NBC2.com. His name is Todd. They've called him Tesla Todd because, you know, alliteration, why not? He is retired himself, and so he stepped up. He drives a Tesla, and as the price of gas is no concern, uh, the former sales engineer has been volunteering for extra shifts, delivering crucial meals to those who are elderly and housebound. Uh, They call him Tesla Todd because he delivers their meals on wheels several shifts a week in his all-electric vehicle. Right, coming up on the podcast very soon. Headline story. EVs produce less CO2 regardless of how they're powered, and why the UK charging network GridServe want to help you test drive a car. Stick around, those stories, they're coming up. Now let's talk about the Indiana government stopping solar net metering. This is a an issue that needs to be discussed because it's happening more and more around the US. Net metering is where you can sell your rooftop solar excess back to the grid. And utility companies often give you a credit against your bill. Many people get a check in the post or just credit off your next bill. But what's happened in Indiana is there's been some hardcore fossil fuel lobbying. This makes me sick. I hate this. The fossil fuel industry, which are in charge, which run the world, are terrified of the likes of us who can see a clean, green future of transport, of energy, uh, ruining their party. And they will do 
anything to maintain their power, even if it means destroying the only planet we have to live on. Well, there's been some hardcore oil industry and utility lobbying. And thanks to that, Indiana homeowners, uh, which have solar, new solar systems going on their roofs, can no longer sell their power back to the grid. Uh, if you don't have battery storage, and I do, you know, we have the Solar Edge battery in the garage. It's a 10 kilowatt hour pack. It's okay. Like, you know, I, I wouldn't recommend it yet. It's a couple of months old. Um, the app is okay. Uh, it's slow to respond on the app. Uh, I've had some issues, and customer services haven't been great. Um, it, 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 when it works, it works. Okay. Um, uh, kind of thinking maybe you should have got a power wall too from Tesla, but either way, um, it, it it's good, right? But I I know that I I'm you know talk about first world problems, hell's bells. How many people can afford a battery for their home, right? So unless you've got that then your solar excess is going back to the grid. And it's going back to, at the minute, uh, no, these new rules to the Indiana grid where the neighbour gets to use that electricity, but they pay the utility the full price, but you have generated it on your roof. Solar power's uh, great thing is that it, it means you can become an energy company and sell your electricity back to the grid. Now, here I'm on a tariff that doesn't really enable anything but the baseline, you know, because we used to be on Octopus Agile, but now we, you know, we can sell back to the grid at four pence a kilowatt hour, uh, which is super low, but it's it works with the tariff that we're on. But I could go back to Agile and sell at 30, 40, 50, 60p at peak times um, back to the grid. I could even I could even dump the battery back into the grid at peak time and use it to make money. I'm not going down that route at the minute, but I could. Either way, uh, Indiana's government uh, is going to stop what they call solar net metering, and that is a huge, huge disincentive for anyone to get solar because it could change the economics, and that means somebody could not get it. Again, again, the only planet we have to live on, and people who want to maintain the power that they've got or get paid money by people who have money and power, uh, put their own self-interest first. But I'm not surprised. Now let's talk a little bit about electric vehicles producing less emissions, regardless of how they're powered. A new study has found that the environmental impact of EVs charged from a grid using fossil fuels, even then, is better than... A combustion vehicle. The American Council for Energy Efficient Economies say that the new Hummer EV makes around 211 grams of CO2 per kilometer if you go upstream because of the grid electricity being produced. Often in the US, it can be coal, it can be fossil fuels. So if you charge a Hummer in the US, which is not a particularly green grid, by the way, that's the amount of CO2 generated. The calculations for the Hummer, based on a 60% grid electricity generation from fossil fuels. The Hummer EV's big weight and size means that it is going to contribute greater emissions. So they re I imagine the reason they picked this vehicle, because it's about the worst you can get. Like, you don't need to drive a Hummer. So they went with the absolute worst EV, and it still has lower CO2 emissions, even charged on a dirty grid, than an equivalent fossil fuel vehicle. Now, what will often happen in these studies is they look at lots of segments of cars. And it, it's happened here. I've seen it already. This story's been picked up by other news outlets. And they've picked the Hummer, which is 211 grams of CO2. And then they found something like a small petrol-powered subcompact uh, and, and looked at that, which might do 205 grams. And gone, ah, oh, the EV is more. 
and it's happened. I've seen it today, and I'm like, oh my goodness me! Uh, the the people who are spreading this stuff in the media are shameless. And a lot of people can't see through it. Like a lot of average readers wouldn't go. Hang on a minute, you're comparing the opposite end. It's like comparing, uh, you know, a truck. Like, oh, a truck has got more CO2 emissions than a, than a, a, a scooter. No, uh, you, a, any normal person with this idiotic comparison to make. Stupid. But it happens with electric cars because, you know, because you know. Hey, let's talk about how an EV test drive scheme is launching in the UK. Grid serve electric four courts. They have two of them so far in Norwich and Braintree, but more being built. This is where you have like 40 or 50 charges at a time. Vehicles from a wide range of manufacturers will be available to test. You can book your tests back to back. So you can cross shop and have a day out at GridServe, drive all the vehicles. They say they're a one-stop solution that means customers haven't got to visit multiple showrooms. There used to be a thing in Milton Keynes, but didn't we close it? Like, it used to be funded by BP. Didn't close it down. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the test drives are bookable online. You go to gridserve.com slash test drive, uh, or oh, sorry, test hyphen drive, and you can choose a time and date, and you can go and play with the cars. Now, why would they do this? Well, GridServe will also lease you a vehicle. So, although it's an amazing thing they're doing, it also does capture first-party data on people turning up, trying three or four cars, and then GridSurf can say, hey, do you, which one do you like? And we'll lease you one of them. So it's part of their business as well. That's not a criticism, by the way. That is absolutely fine. Um, and it's amazing that you can do this. And at the end of the day, you could say, I don't like any of them. I'd like to try some more. Uh, but it's a smart thing to do for their wider business of not just generating power, leasing you a car, but also having those amazing electric forecourts, which have, so there's there's two of which, but they get all the attention. Where GridServe should get all of the praise is for fixing the electric highway and putting all those that new hardware in and replacing the old ecotricity stuff. That was done quickly and has enabled me to do so many long journeys that I wouldn't have done using those charges. I would have always gone out of my way off the motorway network uh, in the old days to go to a charge master, you know, a BP. Uh, <laughs> how how times change. Like, like, like that, you know, BP Pulse is now the only network I would never use again. Like actively, I just filter it out of my search every time. I was bored of them not working or being out of order or just, you know, I, it, it's funny. But uh, uh, Grids have done an amazing, amazing job there. Right, final story. And your car will unfortunately not be able to make a variety of sounds at pedestrians as you drive past them because the NHTSA have said, we looked at the option of selectable low-speed sounds and we have rejected the idea. Vehicles capable of running on EV power means they're quiet, so by law they have to emit some sound for pedestrians who are visually impaired. That's a good thing. It stops at about 19, 20 miles an hour. And the National Highway and Traffic Safety Administration uh, took on board a proposal to let car makers give drivers the choice between several different sounds or even upload your own one. Yes, we can see uh, the kind of schoolboy humour there, what some people would do uh, to the driver-selectable sounds. Uh, the decision, though, has been uh, decided um, that, according to the Federal Register posting earlier today, this proposal was dropped because of a lack of supporting data, so drivers have to use the ones that the car makers decide on 
rather than being user-selectable. And that's your podcast for today. Question of the Week will return, taking a wee break right now. Thanks to our Patreon uh, premium partners. That'll be you, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Brad Crosby, Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley from the EV Review Island YouTube channel, Richard at rsev.co.uk for buying and selling EVs in the UK, Octopus Electric Juice making public charge simple they have one card one map and one app and the gang at millbrookcottages.co.uk they're five star they're luxury cottages they're down in the most beautiful part of the country in devon uh, you can book them online it's so easy and treat yourself to a luxury getaway between now and christmas thanks for listening i'll see you tomorrow and remember there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid